Welcome to PMP Exam 100 Scenarios. In our first video, we took a look at 100 possible scenarios for your PMP exam. Now, we will be breaking each one down piece by piece and unraveling what we could do in response to these problems or what we should have done to avoid the problems altogether. Here are the first 10 we will look at. Let's jump straight into number one. The project is over budget. What you should do next if you're over budget is review the budget breakdown and identify where the overspending is coming from. If you have earned value metrics such as CPI and CV, take a look at those. Your TCPI could also give you an idea of where your project will end up cost-wise at this rate. Next, adjust future allocations as much as possible. There are other things you could do in addition to this. You should be ready to think about reserves. Management reserves could be an option in some circumstances, so make sure before you exam you understand the difference between contingency reserves and management reserves. In the area of cost, you should understand the four discrete processes that you have for cost management. Plan cost management, estimate costs, determine the budget, and control costs. All of these are interwoven and can help you answer questions when you understand the process of cost management and budgets on the exam. What would have prevented this is a question. Regular budget monitoring and accurate initial estimations is definitely one thing that could have prevented this. Enabling your team to be more aware of cost and tracking cost on a regular basis. Let's move on to the second scenario in the list of scenarios. The second scenario is a key team member resigns. What should you do next? You could reallocate tasks to other individuals. You could consider hiring or training a replacement. You could also look into splitting the work in an agile way such that there's collective code ownership, collective product ownership, if you will, in which everyone jumps in to help as needed. Remember the concepts of swarming and mobbing. Those could also be helpful in instances where there is critical work upon a key team member resigning. What could have prevented this? Regular team check-ins and a supportive work environment. Remember, in the world of Agile, we often say in the principle, give the team the environment and support that they need and trust them to get the job done. Also, principle 12, at regular intervals, the team tunes and adjusts accordingly. All of these can help the unexpected team member resignation. Let's move on to the next scenario. Scenario number three, scope creep detected. In order to answer this question, my friends, you need to understand how scope creep could present itself in a predictive project, and a hybrid project, or even an agile project. Now, what is scope creep? It is scope creeping into the project 
without the proper control mechanisms, without schedule considerations, without cost considerations for that additional scope. It is unapproved scope. Scope creep could creep into the project as a result of a team member, could creep into the project as a result of a stakeholder making requests. Now, what you should do next is review and clarify the project scope. Is this indeed scope creep? If you do all the checks and the research to find this indeed is not in the work breakdown structure or not part of the project scope statement, that means it's scope creep. So next, clarify the scope and communicate any changes if there does need to be a change to stakeholders. There are some instances where the scope that was added is justified because it has to be done in order for the project work to be completed. There are things that are associated with the deliverable that may not be discovered early enough. These, even though technically could be looked at as scope creep because they were not approved, are relevant to the project. And there are times when additional scope just needed to happen. In those instances, we would rather go through proper control, but if it happened without the project manager being aware, without it being part of the scope statement, being part of the WBS, then we need to communicate necessary changes to stakeholders. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Even if it's after the fact, those changes must now be documented. You must also do an impact analysis to see what would happen if this scope were removed from the project. Because it's been done, what happens if it's removed or it's about to be done? What happens if we don't do it? You could be worse off in some instances, so you always need to assess. You always need to analyze. What is the impact of this not being done or being done? Now, what would have prevented this? Clear initial scope definition. Very clearly defined change control processes. I want to remind you, my friends, about a concept I shared earlier on in a previous video. We talked about the dig-sieve approach and what needs to be done in every scenario. So for all these scenarios as a blanket, you need to remember to always define the problem, break it down into smaller pieces and gather data. That helps you identify the root cause, generate alternatives, choose the best alternative, and implement the solution before check-in to make sure that it actually worked, verify that it actually worked. So as you go through all of these scenarios, while 
there are some ideas I have for how to tackle specific problems that we will discuss. I want you to remember the dig sieve approach. Let's move on to scenario number four. Stakeholder conflicts arise. What could prevent that from happening and what should we do if that has already happened? Well, if this has happened, you need to have a discussion, a transparent, honest discussion with the conflicting parties. Facilitate a discussion, seek to understand what is going on and why, and tackle those head on. Have the crucial conversation to address these concerns with your stakeholders. What would have prevented this? Regular stakeholder communication and expectation management. It's as simple as that. In the world of Agile, we talk about customer collaboration over contract negotiation. We also, in the world of Agile, espouse the idea about having a social contract or team contract so that we understand how to relate with our stakeholders and with the team. So again, this is a human thing. We've spoken quite a bit about stakeholders, so I want to remind you of the four-step process. Number one, identify stakeholders. Number two, plan stakeholder engagement. Number three, manage stakeholder engagement. When we say manage stakeholder engagement, we mean communicate with stakeholders and work with them regularly. Those stakeholders that are at the top right quadrant, you need to effectively manage close because these could make or break your project. Remember, in the Pembroke Guide, we talk about a stakeholder cube. We could add a third dimension, and that gives us the perspective of attitude. So you have power, interest, and attitude. A stakeholder at the top right quadrant with a negative attitude could sink the entire project, but one with a positive attitude could revive a dying project in their leadership and their being a cheerleader for the project. The final stakeholder process, number four, is monitor stakeholder engagement. All right, let's move on to our next scenario. The next scenario is quality issues are reported. What should you do if quality issues are reported? Well, the major thing, my friends, is to identify what the root cause is. Why do we have these issues? So, follow again in your mind the Dixive approach. Define a problem, break it down if possible, identify the root cause, and so on. The next thing you would do after identifying what is the problem, generate alternatives and then implement corrective actions and just quality controls. What would have prevented this? A robust quality assurance process and regular quality checks. So remember what QA is? Quality assurance is checking the process. Check in the process. It is different from quality assurance. It is not the same as quality assurance. Quality assurance is checking the product. Quality control, I beg your pardon, is checking the product. 
quality assurance is checking the process. So these two are often mixed up. So what would have prevented a full-on quality issue with a defect? Quality assurance. So prevention is better than cure. It is better to check quality in, build quality in, as opposed to checking quality after the product is done. So a robust quality assurance process and regular quality checks, those would have definitely helped. All right, my friends, over the past number of minutes, we've been exploring the first five scenarios. And to round up, I want to remind you about quality and what you have by way of three processes. Number one, plan quality management. Number two, manage quality, which is the same as quality assurance. And number three, control quality. So let's take a quick look at the summary of what we have addressed so far in this series. We have taken a look at the first five. Project is over budget, have a solid, fast approach. Team member resigns. In order to have prevented that, you should have been on top of the team health. You should have things such as a team contract, social contract. You should demonstrate care for your team. Give them the environment and support that they need and trust them to get the job done. Scope creep is detected. We talked about scope. I want to remind you of the six things you do in scope because we really didn't hit on that. So zeroing in one more time to the third scenario. You've got to remember in the world of Agile, we tackle scope somewhat differently. We have product backlogs and sprint backlogs. We spend time in uh, backlog refinement and things such as that. But in the world of predictive, here's a reminder for the six things. Plan scope management, collect requirements, define scope, create WBS, validate scope, and control. All right, let's go back to our summary and see what is left. So next, we talked about stakeholder conflicts arising. And lastly, we talked about quality issues reported. It is my hope as we go through these scenarios methodically, you will have a better idea of what you can experience on the exam, and you'll be smart in knowing how to tackle them. If questions like that show up, at least you would be ahead of the curve because you would have thought about it. So by following the structured approach that I shared with you in the very beginning, following the Dixiv approach, and my other tips such as reading carefully, identifying the core issues, focusing on the main problem or the challenge, determining the project phase you're in, recalling the PM process associated with the problem, eliminating extreme options and avoiding drastic measures, avoiding generalizations and looking for the next logical step. Beware of distractions, trust 
the member guide 7th edition principles and of course also the agile manifesto values and principles and lastly using your gut instinct by following these steps and by staying clued in to these videos you will enhance your chance of selecting the correct answer in navigating the complexities of situational PMP questions. Thank you for joining me in this episode. If you're looking for training, coaching, and help on your PMP, go on down to our website. It's praiseon.com. That's P-R-A-I-Z-I-O-N.com. Thank you very much for joining me. I look forward to speaking to you again in the next episode. Hit the like button and share with a friend. Bye for now.